on ABC Radio. This is The Big Fish with Scott Levi. Ahoy there. Welcome aboard a very special edition of The Big Fish for you this morning. Recorded live this week on Thursday at the Fingal Bay Sports Club with a packed house full of Big Fish listeners to launch Stinker's latest kids book, Banjo the Adventurous Brim. You'll hear some great fisher folk who came from as far away as Penrith and Narrabri and all around the Hunter and New South Wales region. The inspiration for the book, a boy named Banjo, and some of the creative team behind this beautiful children's book. Also coming up in this half hour, Tinny Troubles uh, at Narara Creek. Resident Kay Thompson has had enough of the hoons and a fishy tuna or two. All coming up on The Big Fish. It's the big fish. Do you have old photos, you know, the ones that are yellowing and curling at the edges under the, the fridge magnet? Someone in the family holding a fish from a bygone happy holiday. Port Stephens fishing writer John Stinker Clark, one of the great regulars on this show, has been publishing fishy photos in his weekly column, uh, now seen in the Port Stephens News of the Area newspaper, for over 30 years. Closer to 40, he reckons. And one of those photos was of a little boy so proud of his catch, which he released, wearing a great big sun hat with an even bigger grin, holding an even bigger brim, caught from shore in the heart of Nelson Bay. The youngster is now eight years of age and has grown into that hat. His name is Banjo Slade, and that picture inspired Stinker to put pen to paper. I caught up with Stinker and Banjo before the book launch in front of a packed house at the Fingal Bay Sports Club. It's a photograph um, of a young fellow. I think he was about six at the time. I'm not sure. He's eight now. He's eight, is he? Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, and he had so much delight yeah. on his face. And it was a big brim it stinker. A, well, it was a big brim. Yeah, 40 centimetres. It was right? a whopper. It was a whopper. And so I thought, all right, well, and his name was Banjo, and I'd never met him. So I rang his mum up. I found out who his mum was. I said, would you mind if I, if I um, focus a, a book on your son? Mm. She said, that would be fantastic. Yeah. And she's been just... And Banjo's joined in and, and, of course, it's all come to a peak today. And he reads he, really well. He reads well and he launched the book. Yeah. How lovely for a, an eight-year-old to launch a book. Along with his thousands of brothers and sisters, Banjo was born in the warm, quiet waters of Port Stephens, somewhere near the bridge in a Karira River. The mighty old river runs through the home of the Waramai Aboriginal people from way up in the mountains. The fresh water trickles and bubbles over waterfalls and cobblestones down into the muddy mangroves flats. Rich in the nutrients and boiling with life, the river has provided for the Waramai for ages and ages. Rosie, you must be very proud of this little boy. You're only eight years of age, which is about 20 years in brim years, I think. But, <laughs> gee, he reads well. They've done a good job at Soldiers Point School. Yes, they've done a very good job, and he's just so excited to be here and a keen fisherman, so it all works well. It's Yeah, it's beautiful. 
We're going to purchase some for the school. So, and we'll, yeah, and we'll, we'll hand them out to, to Soldiers Point School and to our dentist. And, yeah, it'll be lovely. It's uh, such an honour. Yeah. Is that a good thing to, to find something that the kids here love? It's, it's a great fishing place. Yeah. Do you think that might get a few of the boys particularly reading? Oh, definitely. And the girls, of course, too. Definitely, I think so, especially where, where we live and, you know, and, and, and as I said, everyone fishing and the beach, and it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Hi, my name's Megan Barris. I'm the artist for John Clark's new book, Banjo the Adventurous Brim. Wow. I, all I can say is, wow, this is such beautiful art. You've created an undersea paradise with this book. The colours are so vibrant. Talk us through what you've done here. I know it's hard on radio. <laughs> it is hard on radio. And um, yes, it's all about colour. All my artwork is about colour. It's about joy bringing you into your lives. Uh, when John first asked me to pre- create the paintings for the book, uh, I was a bit worried about time because we had planned a trip right around Australia. Um, then I worked out a new system using the collage method, which is little bits of painting, at a time, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And then in the evening, while we were camping, I cut all the pieces out. Once we completed the travels and came back into the studio, then I put all the works together following my storyboards, which is in my hand, you can't see those. Um, so it's been such a delight, like working with Stinka, who adores marine life, like that's our connection to love the underwater world. Is this your first sojourn into children's book illustration? Children's book illustration, absolutely, yes. Yeah, normally I'm large-scale canvases on, and it relates to my environment, so there might be the fishing wharf. Um, and when I say large-scale, the smallest would be like 91 by 91 centimetres, and then they go up from the yeah. So to, to come back down into, like, I mean, the child's book, to come down in that scale was quite a challenge. The whole method of actually working on the book has been a challenge, but, but we both did it. And John doesn't step in to say, no, no, I don't want that. Like, at one stage, I mean, you can um, see once you have a look at the book, some of the sea is, like, bright orange or bright purple. And I said to him once, you know, are you okay with me doing the sea, you know, orange? He said, no, you're the artist, do what you want. So free range was it, which is fabulous because it just lets you create and lets you run with what you want to do. I love your leather jacket there, absolutely gorgeous. Oh, now that, that leather jacket and the other work that I've got here today on display um, came from working on the book, the collage method. Um, I just couldn't stop, so I just kept on running with it. And my girlfriend and I go snorkelling sometimes, and my husband, um, we go snorkelling, and you see all these things. So you come back and you, you want to collage it all together. So. I hope you didn't see that giant great white oh, no, shark no, 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 underneath no. the bridge of Karua. <laughs> they're there, believe me, I'm sure they're there. <laughs> Peering out from the seaweed, here we come. It's a gorgeous journey through the imagination. Well done with yeah. the illustration. It's just superb. Yeah, well, thank you, and thanks for talking to me. Wonderful. Okay, great day. The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio. yourself go they hardly ever visit so how would they know because I choose to live in a caravan park they think I've lost the plot 
but they're way off the mark. My waterfront view only cost two hundred a week. An old millard is my mansion. It's cosy and doesn't leak. This brim at me back door, I catch enough to eat. I go prawning and crabbing up the mangrove creek. The kids shake their heads. They reckon they know best that you should be in a nursing home. You can't live like this. The Riverside Holiday Park is not their cup of tea. An old millard and a tinny, that'll do me. They reckon I got no social life, but that's far from true. This filthy villain Neb, the happy hour crew. Cold beers under the fig tree, prawns in the ice tub. On Friday we get the courtesy bus to the raffles at the club. They look down their noses, they think I'm trailer trash because I clean the toilets to make some extra cash. They said, "What if you get sick and need medical attention?" I said, "You can call me an ambulance. It's covered in me pension." The kids shake their heads. They reckon they know best. Dad, you should be in a nursing home. You can't live like this. The Riverside Holiday Park is not their cup of tea. An old millard and a tinny that'll do me. When the time comes, I finally have to go. Just slide me into the river, tie a crab bite on me toes. There'll be no need for sadness, no need to grieve. Just check me next morning. The muddies are on me. The kids shake their heads. They reckon they know best. Dad, you should be in a nursing home. You can't live like this. The Riverside Holiday Park is not their cup of tea. An old millard and a tinny, that'll do me. An old millard and a tinny, that'll do me. The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio. Kay Thompson lives on the quiet mangrove-lined shores of a little creek that has a four-knot speed limit. And uh, most people are pretty good. They're either kayaking past quietly, chasing a fish or a, a crab or two. But of late, this is all she's been hearing. Yep, uh, tinnies with uh, 8, 10, 12, 15 horsepower motors going bang, bang, bang over the wake. It's called tinny bashing, and uh, it's really driving a lot of people crazy around the estuaries and waterways of New South Wales and Queensland as well. It's uh, happening right near her retirement village, and Kay has had enough of it for years, watching these tinnies roaring up and down Narara Creek through the four-knot zone, the no-wash zone, where they're trying to save the habitat along the foreshore. As she explains to Caroline Perryman from the ABC, she first raised the issue with authorities back in 2021. It's very frustrated nothing's happened to stop the illegal behaviour that's both dangerous and damaging 
to the environment, uh, washing away that riparian growth and uh, creating a lot of siltation. And she has dozens of photos uh, with very clear registration numbers and very clear evidence of them standing up on their tail and uh, flat out well over the four knot limit. Uh, This is what she had to say. In about 21, I started recording events that were happening with tinnies coming up at speed and that uh, built up to about seven of them coming up on the weekend. We're talking about those little boats with outboard motors, aren't we, that you can go fishing in? Yes, Mm. yes, Uh, small um, tinnies as we know with a motor, that's right. But they're doing um, far more than the four knot limit, uh, which um, I have a kayak and there is a four knot limit over at the railway bridge coming in under the into the um, creek and there's also new four knot signs either side of the Henry Kendall Bridge. And that is the one that you cross when you go along the Central Coast Highway between Gosford and West Gosford. That's right, as you're coming to the RSL. They're doing far more than four knots and the four knots is to prevent wake on the edge of the creek and um, well, noise as well. And what impact has this had on you and the other residents' lives over the last few years? Well, it's getting to the stage now where uh, we hear them come thumping up the creek, bouncing up the creek at high speed and it's just becoming nerve-wracking at Uh, They go up and down, they pull each other like on a wakeboard, um, do wheelies in front of our place, and they also do what I'd call wheel stands, which is like on a bike. The the boats are just about out of the water. They're very noisy and it's um, getting on people's nerves, really. The boats are going at a 45-degree angle to the water, aren't they? They're really getting some air. Yes, that's right. They're standing... Well, it's like a wheel stand on a bike. The The front of the boat is right up in the air. That's right. Kay Thompson is with us. Kay is having some issues on Narara Creek with tinnies, as we know them, or little aluminium fishing boats going up and down the creek, but at high speeds, getting airborne. Also jet skis, I believe, Kay. Yes, there's, um, there's a couple of jet skis that come up and one... Um, like a racing boat, an inboard boat. Uh, but I think they all gather, well, I don't know. I'm guessing it could be McDonald's because they're there for from 10 in the morning till 2 and sometimes 4 o'clock. And this is mainly over the weekend? Yes, Saturdays and Sundays. Mm. Not only is it the noise annoying, but it's also not great for the environment. No, not at all. It's um, just the opposite of what these creeks are... are um, were preserved for with the mangroves, the wildlife, um, you know, the ducks, pelicans. It's nice seeing them just um, paddling along. This is all the opposite to what it should be. And that's why there are no wash zones in these areas. That's right, exactly. And also, I believe you've been told that, um, maybe not in this area, but it can be an issue with kayakers, and you're a kayaker, as you said, yes. but it can be an issue and quite dangerous on the bendy parts of the river or the mm. creek. Well, I, I'm not uh, wanting to go out now uh, on weekends in case they come up. They're just, um, or hoons, really. And so what have you done about it? Well, I have. I started sending, or well, ringing, the uh, number that's on the um, speed sign, but um, they're based at Pitwater, so they say they 
can't get there. I've even taken photos and recorded number plates, but they say they have to see them. Um, my suggestion was if I rang at 10 o'clock in the morning, they'd still be in the creek area by the time they got here. Um, but there, um, two, two fellows came up one day, but it was after they'd been and gone. What next for you and your fellow residents there on Narara Creek? Well, we can only um, uh, hope that something can be done. I mean, I think maybe even cameras, uh, like speed cameras, everyone seems to have a camera now in their house and their car. Um, I'd put one on my um, front patio if I had to, uh, just to uh, for them to be warned and, and um, talked to, because it's not right. I think four knots is four knots. That's right, and it could lead to really dangerous accidents. Yes, exactly. Mm. All right, well, you've got a lot of photos here of these little boats being airborne, racing up and down the river, obviously not doing four knots because the wake is huge behind them and the waves are huge. So, look, we'll see what we can find out, Kay. But, look, thanks for coming in, and it's not easy when you've got a problem like this. You've been trying (laughs) to do it yourself, haven't you, to get someone to pay attention to this, and it must be very frustrating. Yes, I keep making phone calls hoping there's some record there. Um, and the email, so we'll see. Thanks, Caroline. It's the Big Fish in West Gosford, Narara Creek resident Kay Thompson there speaking with Caroline Perryman. In response to our questions, we received this reply from Transport for New South Wales Maritime. They said, we take all community concerns about waterway safety very seriously. We're aware of incidents involving tinnies travelling at excessive speed on Narara Creek. We have staff patrolling Brisbane water and surrounds most days of the year, and in light of these incidents, we're looking to schedule additional patrols focusing on Narara Creek. The penalties for excessive speed or reckless navigation range from $100 upwards, depending on the severity of the offence. Maritime said boaters that commit serious or repeat offences can have their licence cancelled or their vessel taken away. Uh, Community members can report concerns by calling 13 12 36 or going on the website... Anyone with photos that show the registration of offending vessels can send those images to Transport for New South Wales Maritime for further investigation. Let us know. Send us an email, thebigfish at your.abc.net.au. Drop us a line if um, you know of anyone who's had their boat confiscated for this uh, hooning behaviour. We'd love to find out. On ABC Radio, it's The Big Fish with Scott Levi.
This is The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio. Coming up on The Big Fish, heading back to the Fingal Bay Sports Club. Been a packed house, people from all over the state. We'll catch up with Carl from Penrith and Rob from Narrabri, all there for the launch of Stinker's new book, Banjo, The Adventurous Brim. And uh, the fellow who inspired the story was there as well, young Banjo Slade who officially launched the book. Uh, You heard him reading some of the beautiful prose written by Stinker there. And I caught up with Banjo to uh, find out uh, about the incident, the capture that led to the photo, that led to the story, that led to the book. The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio. So Banjo... What do you think of this, that your photo that went to the newspaper for Stinker's column of you holding a really big brim? You're only a little kid, so the brim looked even bigger. Tell us all about that trip where you caught that marvellous fish. So I caught it behind Cheeky Dog. You know what that is? Yeah. Um, We caught it down below the wharf. There's like a little bit where you go down and then a layer. Um... I caught it there. And so you were land-based? Yes. Wow. What did you catch him on? Prawn. Yeah. It's a good-sized brim. I bet it gave you an amazing tussle. It, it did, definitely. Yeah, it looks like a 40-centimetre fish, a really good-sized one. Did you, did you eat him or let him go? I always let fish go. So you let Banjo the brim go? Yeah. So he might still be out there? Probably. He, he might uh, find out that there's a book about him. I don't think that's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. He goes to the fish school. He does. Hey, Banjo, thanks for joining us at the book launch and well done for inspiring this great uh, piece of literature. You're welcome. And we'll catch up with Stinker in just a bit on The Big Fish. (laughs) Another good story to share. And a couple of the great people who came along for the launch who have some good fishing tales to tell as well. It's all coming up on The Big Fish. And a very special edition of the Big Fish this morning, recorded live at the Fingal Bay Sports Club in front of a packed house. Great people from all over the state, listeners to the Big Fish, who were there for Stinker's latest book launch, Banjo, the Adventurous Brim, as it's called. And uh, we caught up with the the illustrator and uh, the young fellow who was the inspiration for the story. And we'll catch up with Stinker in just a moment with another great yarn and a couple of the good fishos who popped along to tell us a story or two as well. The Big Fish on ABC Radio. John, wow, what a great book launch. What a great little kid, young Banjo. Um, Just a, a great day to meet listeners who've come 
from all over the, the place to, to see you, your, your fans through the ABC. It's It's been a wonderful, uh, wonderful partnership, hasn't it? It has. Oh, I've um, enjoyed every minute with the ABC. And it doesn't seem to matter where I go. There's always someone... And they don't recognise my face because we've been on radio, but they sure recognise my voice. They say, I'll bet you're stinker. It seems that no-one else talks the way I do. Well, I don't even know that I'm talking differently. And, but today was something special. Every book, I mean, that's my 12th book today, and every book is a special occasion um, because I try and involve as many... Uh, people as possible, anyone. It's a welcome, open door. It's not a champagne and biggie day, you know, is it? It's just a rock in, say good day, um, have a yarn, meet Megan. Megan's work is unreal. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, oh, look, I've enjoyed it immensely, and we have maybe a couple of other books for kids that we're thinking about. You've come full circle, haven't you, as an educator, yeah. uh, as a sports teacher here. I love your story today about the, the last two weeks of the year, and we're getting into that period now. Yeah. Tell that story because oh. that was so funny. Well, these are in the very these are mid nineteen seventies, and uh, I was the newly appointed PE teacher to Nelson Bay High School, and it come to they did their the kids did their exams halfway through November, and once they'd finished their exams, they could see no reason to come back to school. There was still another three weeks to go before they could knock off. And I couldn't see any sense in it either. I thought, what are we doing here? They've all done their exams. And we're all walking around anyway. The numbers started dropping off. And kids would have decided that they're better off surfing at one of the beaches or fishing rather than turning up to school and, and not doing much. So on one occasion, I reckon there were two kids on the assembly. There were 28 teachers and two kids. So the principal said, this is, can't exist, this is no good. How do we justify this to the Department of Education? So he's got all the teachers in a room and said, we've got to do something, you know, to keep these kids at school. So um, someone suggested, well, you don't give them the exams until the last day of school. You know, and they said, oh, no, that's no good, that's no good. The principal came up with an idea that um, each of the teachers would be responsible for, for 20 to 30 kids for the last two weeks of school. And, and then the kids would choose uh, what the teachers had put out. And the teachers did some wonderful like stuff. Like an activity. Yeah, an activity, an, yeah. an artwork or uh, bush walking, you know, or swimming, uh, whatever. So there were many, many uh, activities there. And so I said to the principal, well, I'll take them fishing. <laughs> and the principal said, I'm not paying you to take kids fishing <laughs> the last two weeks of school. And I said, well, what about marine organism collection? <laughs> he said, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> and tell us about some of those trips. Oh, well, we did it for 16 years. Myself and the maths teacher, we, we had 10 and we pitch a big tent, and the kids bought their own single tent, and we uh, marched across. Well, we got across onto the island in different ways. Once we walked across, it's all across the spit, you see. You know? So um, when the spit was high and dry, I put them, a, a couple of commercial fishermen drove us over there, mm. took all the kids from school in the, in the trucks, in their mullet trucks, mm. and another year the spit was washed out, so we went over in a trawler. Wow. Yeah, and then another year... Um, the trawlers were all out at sea, so the water police took us. <laughs> See, you can't do things like this anymore. 
and we all offloaded us and then they'd come back and I think we'd spent three or four nights on the island. By that time, we'd all had enough, you know. <laughs> I bet you caught a few fish, Oh, gee, fantastic. Squid and flathead. Mm. Oh, I lined all these kids up along the beach. There were 20 of them and I had um, uh, blocks of pilchards and gang hooks and I set them all up and then I blew the whistle. <laughs> throw in, they threw. We, they caught 40 of the most beautiful flathead you've ever seen. Oh, just fabulous. Did you eat the fish over there? Yeah, cooked a few up, yeah, yeah. Oh, and squid, yeah. That's a Huck Finn adventure, isn't oh, it? Look, and, I, and those kids now, those same kids, they're all over 55 years old. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and they, some of them have made a life out of commercial fishing too. Oh, yeah, well, that you know, they were going to be commercial fishermen when they were 10. Yeah, yeah. And that's how it is in fishing villages like this. It's interesting, isn't it? It seems as if the kids have inspired you as much as, you, oh, as you've inspired the kids because this little boy from Soldiers Point School, Banjo, that photo of him with a great big brim caught the shore base down at, at Nelson Bay led to this whole project. Exactly. Tell us a story. Well, I, I've been putting photos of kids in the paper for, for ages and ages. And they, what they do, um, and when I say ages, it's probably close to 40 years, and they take a pair of scissors and cut out their photo with the article and then they get some blue tackle or whatever and stick it on the fridge door. Yeah. Well, some of them have been on the fridge door for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> and now I think it's just sensational. And when I saw this photo, and that photo appeared in the paper about three years ago, and then I thought, oh, and it really, it's a photograph um, of a young fellow, I think he was about six at the time, I'm not sure. He's eight now. He's eight, is he? Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, and he had so much delight yeah. on his face. And it was a big brim it sticker. A, well, it was a big brim. 40 centimetres. It was a whopper. It was a whopper. And so I thought, all right, well, and his name was Banjo, and I'd never met him. So I rang his mum up. I found out who his mum was. I said, would you mind if I, if I um, focus a, a book on your son? Mm. She said, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. And she's been just... And Banjo's joined in and, 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 of course, it's all come to a peak today. And he, he reads really well. He reads well and he launched the book. How lovely for a, an eight-year-old to launch a book. Yeah, what, what a thing. Yeah. What a thing. And what a great day it's been, Stinker. And visitors coming from all over the state yep. who listen to, to you on The Big Fish and on ABC Newcastle. Yeah. Wonderful stuff, mate. Hooray, Scott. And coming up on The Big Fish, we'll catch up with some of the great fishos who were visitors there at the Fingal Bay Sports Club for Stinker's book launch. We'll catch up with Carl from Penrith, who just lives for fishing, and Rob from Narrabri. All on the way on The Big Fish.
The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio. I'm Scott Rob Southwell. I'm uh, originally or formerly from Narrabri. Just moved down here to try a little bit of um, rest and relaxation, Shoal Bay. Very, very pleased that uh, one of the guys I first met was uh, John Stinker Clark. Uh, I've been a fan of you guys, for, been listening to you for years and uh, used to catch up on, you know, just some tales about fly fishing because that's my main main interest. Uh, so Rob, you would have been pretty close to the New England which is a great fishery. It's been fishing really well over the last few years after being smashed by fires and floods and droughts. Um, yeah. So was that where you used to go? Yeah, we used to uh, it's about a three three hour run from uh, Narrabri up through Tamworth and Armadale. We used to go and camp there at the Hoey Moey <laughs> and uh, yeah, tell a lot of stories and a lot of lies, catch a few fish. Mm. It was great. The, the Ebor Hotel, I've caught fish virtually in the in the pool before it plunges over the waterfall. Fantastic, fantastic spot. A lot of great rainbow trout there, so uh, a, a lovely place. It used to be run by Honest Ike, and before that was the Turk, and yeah. some of the publicans have been colourful over the years. Oh, absolutely, no doubts about that. And uh, it's great when you go there, you can pick up on a bit of their positivity. Yeah. But um, If you buy the locals a few beers, they'll tell you where the trout are. Absolutely, and uh, they'll let you onto some spots. Actually, probably my most memorable fish was caught up there at Ebor, and it was right up at the top of the, near the National Park where you can almost see the coast. And I caught a brown trout up there, and I think it was only about four inches long. <laughs> but I, it was in long grass, it was a very tiny stream, and just the most amount of fun. Yeah. It was not about big fish, it was just about that stalking and having a great deal of fun. And what did you do out Narrabri Way? Oh, I used to I sell farms. And I still do a bit of that. The uh, stock and station agent. Yeah, not so much. Well, yeah, not so much the stock, but uh, mostly, uh, uh, you know, larger irrigation farms, that sort of stuff. Station uh, agent. Yeah, yeah, station agents pretty much. Without the stock. Yeah, the yeah. stock came as part of the yeah, deal. Yeah, no, that's right. Wow, that's interesting, isn't it? That was in the town. Uh, yes, I lived in in the town of Narrabri. Yeah. So cotton and country. Cotton country, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of my good friends. So you've got some country. good cod, cod up towards the, the border. There's some very good cod up towards the border. Yeah, no doubts about that. I've got a, uh, a um, an associate up there who's uh, Jamie Condon, who's uh, you know has had um, um, you know a, a segment in the land each month. He is a first class fisherman. I uh, 
and um, Josh Smith, a couple of guys that are, you know, they're, they're uh, famous for what they do. Um, just being able to talk to them is a good thing for me. What's it like to go from way out on the plains at Narrabri uh, to, to the beautiful coast here at uh, Shoal Bay, Fingal Bay? I mean, how is your fishing evolving? Because you, you like the fly rod, but um, have you tried it on the saltwater species yet? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm growing into it. I'm not a, not a great beach person. Beach would be fine if it didn't have sand. <laughs> uh, black mud's fine. I don't mind that. But uh, I'm originally from down in the mountains in the, uh, in the southern tablelands, and I just love stumbling around in the hills, quiet stream. You know, you don't have to fish all day. You can lie down and have a bit of a snooze. Mm. Yeah, no, that's the sort of thing. That, I found that fly fishing took me away from where I was meant to be more than any other task. Yeah, it's a good walk in a beautiful oh, place, isn't it? It's yeah. Just park the brain and, and observe nature. And it's funny, as you creep along that river trying to fool a, a trout or maybe a bass in this part of the world, um, what you see is incredible. I mean, plenty of snakes, but um, oh. that's what waders are for, aren't they? Well, look, the, the bit that got me was, you know, to be standing in ice-cold water... Um, you know, at an older age like I am, trying to save yourself from being washed away, falling over, uh, trying to see a, a, a line when you're tying on a fly uh, and trying to guess what fish you're going to do, got, your mind's got no room for anything else. Mm. It doesn't matter how bad things are, mm. you just can't, you're immersed, totally yeah. immersed. We had a, a lowland stream near Tumut that my mate and I used to always fish and you'd get there in the morning and you'd go up and catch a fish in every pool and up around the bend and then the sun would go down, you'd keep fishing the evening rise, and then you'd have to walk back, so we'd cut across the paddock and get to the car. And you wouldn't believe how far you'd gone. You're just totally immersed, aren't yeah, you? Just absolutely, yeah. yeah just um, completely consumed by it. And, uh, you know, I've got a couple of mates down there, old, you know, uh, old guys, uh, Willow and Goose, a couple of guys I'd like to shout out to. You know, they're great fishermen, dedicated, love going up, in the, up, up into the mountains there. It's fantastic. Mm. I think that's an important part of the big fish, to remember that people at Narrabri, people at Gilgandra, people at Dubbo, uh, on the Macquarie, you know, people at Wagga Wagga, uh, they all love fishing. I was lucky enough to live over the, of the range for a long time in the Riverina and Southwest Slopes, and uh, they just don't realise that this is a, a statewide pursuit. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just, just listening to you on uh, Saturday morning has just been a real joy for me over time. And... Uh, just while we're on it, congratulations on 100 years of radio, Thanks, ABC. Mate. I don't look like a day over 99, do no, I? No, but exactly. I hear your mum used to work for the ABC. Yeah, mum, mum was a radio announcer for the ABC during the uh, during the Second World War. I think she started off as an interpreter uh, and uh, went on had a long career in the ABC. Um, famously, I think uh, mum was the one that actually announced VE Day mm. to Australia, uh, which um, which was something we used to always yak about when we were kids. Wow, Rob, yeah. great to talk to you, mate, and yeah, you too, thanks Scott. for coming along to Stinker's Book Launch. Nice to meet you. You Good bet. Mate. Thank you. This is The Big Fish on ABC Radio. It was the dark of the moon and the prawns were running. The expert in the mug shot across the lake, engine gunning. The whiting were biting, but only on live prawn. Said expert to mug, we'll fill the boat, come the light of dawn. The mug toiled away with light and net, filling the prawn bucket, left him cold and wet. (laughs) 
The expert watched on with lots of advice while the shivering mug was bitten by lice. Hurry up, you mug. Tides are turning. We can't be late. We'll bag out now that I've collected the perfect bait. They dropped the anchor. It was cold and black. Remember when they bite, give them some slack. They cast their prawn rigs out into the dark. The expert said, we'll catch our bag. This'll be a lark. They fished on and on, hour after hour. Not a bite, not a touch. The situation was dour. The mug gave the expert an evil look as he threaded another live prawn onto his hook. All bloody night without even a nibble. You call yourself expert. What a load of drivel. As the scene was illuminated by the rosy light of dawn, they saw a crab shuffling off with a prawn. The mug gave the expert the back of his hand. You bloody fool, he said. We've been casting onto the sand. As they motored home across the lake, the mug thought, how was I duped by this fake? My family's waiting at home with the skillet and we're heading back without even a fillet. The expert now chastened said, I know how to sate their hunger. On the way home, we'll call in at the fishmonger. The expert has now pawned his rod and reel-o. The price of redemption? $69 a kilo. This is The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio. Carl's a, a big fish listener um, who's come to the launch here at Fingal Bay. Where do you come from, Carl? Penrith, out near the Blue Mountains. Right, you've got some nice bass there in the Nepean. We do, we do, but I still prefer the salt water. Yeah, and you love your fishing. I do, I do. Yeah, we're going to get around uh, Sydney Harbour a lot. This is where I normally fish, the Hawkesbury, uh, Botany Bay, and down on Five Islands at Port Kenmore. They're all good spots, aren't they? Oh, fantastic. fantastic. How good is Sydney Harbour now? Oh, yeah. I listen to your crossovers to Craig McGill and often go around Middle Harbour and try and find those uh, sneaky calamari that seem to have disappeared. But uh, he's right. You need fresh bait to, to really get onto the kingfish. But he's not making it up, is he? No. I mean, it's teeming with life. It is. It's fantastic. And uh, the harbour, like, I've got one son that's still a little bit uh, pessimistic about using it, but... Um, Oh, we get some good fish there. Good fish. Lovely, Carl. Lovely. And, and uh, so you travel from Penrith to fish all over the state, do you? You're here at Fingal Bay. You're having a fish here? We had this morning already. Um, done a few charters up the Southwest Rocks, yeah, uh, Evans Head. So, yeah, we do a bit. And, um, yeah, we're aiming to, you know, maybe get up to Darwin. That's, that's oh, on the bucket list. Good on you, mate. Watch out for those big, scaly creatures. <laughs> They're a bit of a worry, aren't they? They are. So, anyway. Hey, um... Southwest Rocks, interesting place. You've got fantastic fishery there for Mulloway at the entrance at the, yeah. with the with the big um, big jewfish at the breakwater. That's a, yeah. a really good spot, isn't it? Then you've got that crossover species with uh, Spanish mackerel, wahoo, yes. big kingfish, yeah. marlin. I mean, it, it's, it's got a bit of a snapper. Well, last bit... year we, we went out to the Fez and got the dolphin fish. Oh, so magnificent, magnificent. Yeah, yeah. You tell us about that experience. Well, we, the day before, we kind of got on the flathead and it was a bit quiet. And then uh, Aaron, who was our skipper, said, look, let's head out to the fads. And we got out there. 
it was like Pitt Street. There was that many boats out there, but he kind of banked us in, and then, uh, yeah, he just went for it. Hey, they're pretty good on the tooth, aren't they, too? Yeah. Do you enjoy eating them? Magnificent. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Oh, that's so, great, yeah, so when we catch, yeah, we don't try and take too much. I've been fishing with a mate up at um, Lake Wallace, and the one that you put us on to at Portland, mm. the old uh, quarry. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we've been taking out some good... Uh, oh, you get a few trout over there? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's my last few ex- uh, expeditions. We've done that, yeah. and we went up to the Turon River mm. two weeks ago, and uh, 43, 44 centimetre... Uh, rainbows, magnificent. Up near Kappa Tree. Yeah, I know where it is. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's been a, a good few years for the trout. I guess we're going into drought now, but gee, there plenty of trout in the rivers. They're just teeming at the I moment, know. aren't they? I know. Yeah. Well, my friend who I'm with here today, he, he's an avid trout fisherman, and like he, he went down to Dunelequin a, a year or two ago for the D- Denny uh, Classic mm. and the Murray Cod. I just can't believe how big they were, but still haven't done that myself. Gee, Carl, you've been bitten by the fishing bug, haven't you, mate? Oh, yeah, yeah, so. Uh, and I've got brother-in-laws who are keen, but uh, I'm the only one that gets up at five o'clock on a Saturday morning. So. And listens to the big fish. Yeah. Oh, great, great to meet you, Carl, and yeah. uh, keep in touch. Send us a few fishy photos. Shall do. Thanks very much. Thanks. Good, Good to, to meet, meet you, Scott. Thanks, buddy. Good on you. The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio. 